On the step, the brief riot of summer is very nearly over. The grasshoppers and crickets fizz just as they did in high summer, but the khaki grasses rustle underfoot like old parchment. Marsh birds are on the move, green shank and snipe starting up with a cry. Wildfowl barrel toward the southwest in urgent knots, and high up, a flapping ball of lapwings is harried by a hawk. Above all, the flies are gone. The blood-sucking torment of the gadflies and mosquitoes is over. Gone, too, are the chief of the tormentors, clouds of flesh-smothering black flies that swarm in summer like smoke from a prairie fire. Horse weather, at last. Mungan Moritz is the last human settlement. Looking upstream, hazy ridges converge, and the flat valley funnels to a vanishing point. Beyond that is nothing. No dwelling, not even a tent, for countless miles. Virgin forest until the Russian border, and probably well beyond it. It is as vast and true a wilderness as it is possible to imagine, and the Onan headwaters promise to lie at the heart of it. The seduction of it sharpens the pleasures, of appetites, naturally, and of the clean scent of autumn, but also of anticipation. Of course, notions of wilderness get rudely qualified in our Anthropocene age. The impact of humans is evident in even the remotest parts of land or sea, if only you look for it. I looked hard, in dusty shelves, before coming here, and two things struck home about the wild places ahead of me. It was, first, a more peopled land in past centuries than now, especially in warmer periods, crisscrossed by hunters of game and gatherers of pine nuts and cloudberries, used by herders for summer grazing, borrowed as a refuge by people who, for one reason or another, were on the run, or simply arranged to cross on the way back home. It was to some, perhaps many, a familiar region. Probably that is true of most of the places we value for being solitary and wild. Second, but more unusually, the human impact, the more emphatic human impact, came not from outside this remote region pressing in. Climate change, airborne pollution, logging, hunting, the usual dismal litanies. Rather, the truly powerful impact came from one single human, raised eight hundred years ago near the Onan headwaters. And his impact is not measured on the parochial scale of his home turf, these mountains ahead, but on a scale that encompassed continents. For the boy Temujin was raised in this wild place, and he later came to be Genghis Khan, the Supreme Khan, Khan of all the people living in felt tents. Through a sense of divine mandate, sheer will, military flair, and the exhibition of both extraordinary cruelty and, to some, extraordinary devotion, this ruler forged a people. And through a string of stunning conquests, Genghis Khan directed his armies to found a Mongol realm that stretched from China to the Euphrates, Korea to Eastern Europe, the Pacific 
to the Mediterranean, the biggest contiguous empire the world has known. I think no individual in the past millennium can have impacted the planet more than Genghis Khan, and only Jesus and Muhammad before him. If that seems fanciful, consider a study carried out by a group of geneticists a few years ago into Asian variations in the patterns of DNA. They sampled 2,000 men from 16 Asian population groups, stretching from the Caspian Sea to the Pacific. To the geneticists' intense surprise, they discovered that 8% of the men shared a common lineage of Y chromosomes, possessed by men but not women. They had, in other words, stumbled upon a shared ancestor of these men, a single individual apparently living in...